following content is a PodCloud Network yeah. production. Hey, yo. What's going on, listeners? Today is Monday, July 24th, 2017, and I would like to welcome you guys to this week's Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike Sports Talk Show. I hope all my listeners had a great week and weekend. This is your host, Lloyd A. Thompson, and for the next hour, we'll be giving you guys all the rundown on all things in the New York sports, and we'll touch up on some other sports topics as well. Remember, everyone, you can always catch this show live every single Monday from 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and of course, at LloydAThompson.com. Also, if you have any suggestions, comments, you can always feel free to send them through email to Lloyd at parkmyfresh.com, on Twitter at Lloyd A. Thompson, one word, and on Instagram at Lloyd A. Thompson, one word. Be sure to check out those sites because I'm always posting news to the Twitter and I'm always putting up pictures every now and then on the Instagram. Also, when you sound in the Apple Podcast and SoundCloud and yada yada, be sure to do a search for the old boy's name, Lloyd A. Thompson, and hit that subscribe button so you won't miss a thing. We have a very exciting show for you guys coming up today. We have Detroit Pistons' Langston Galloway calling into the show. We're going to touch up on some Yankees. We're going to go over this Kyrie Irving one out of Cleveland and possibly naming the Knicks as one of his destinations. We'll touch up on some Mets. We'll try to cover as much as we can for you today, guys. So let's buckle up, sit back and relax, and start spreading the news. Hey, yo, let's get it. Ladies and gentlemen, like we always do at this time, it's Monday. That means it's time to talk sports on the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike show. Let's go. What's going on, listeners? As always, I got the Mad Mike calling in. So let's see what payphone and location the Mad Mike is calling in from today. Mad Mike, what's good, brother? Where you at? Lloyd, I'm calling from out in Seattle. I was uh, watching the Yankees over the weekend, and unfortunately, I missed my flight and got stuck out here for the day. Ouch. That's tough. But the one good thing is that you do have time to call in and do your show with me, t- you know, with me today. So that's great as far as that goes. Sorry about you missing the flight, though, brother. Yeah, it happens. It happens. So I was telling the listeners... In the intro, that we got a special caller, Langston Galloway from the Detroit Pistons, calling in in a few minutes, and we're gonna have a little sit down and Q and A with him. But let's talk about this Kyrie Irving requesting a trade from the Cleveland Cavaliers, as reported uh, over the weekend. Cle- uh, Kyrie Irving requested a trade from the Cleveland Cavaliers, and his listed teams of teams that he would prefer to go to were the San Antonio Spurs, the Miami Heat the Minnesota Timberwolves, and, oh, my gosh, the New York Knicks. Yeah, I mean, that 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 news on Friday had us all hyped up. You know, we, we all, as Knicks fans and basketball fans alike, we, we're, everybody wants to know where he's going. We just want to know, does our t- team have what it takes to get a talent like this, a 25-year-old dynamic scoring point guard? Now, that's the problem because deep down, we both know – that the Knicks don't have a shot in hell to get Kyrie Irving. But like you said, as Knicks fans, I saw pictures where people were uh, paint shopping Kyrie Irving home Nick jersey and away Nick jerseys on him. And I even went along with it a little bit and got excited and was like, all right, Scott Perry, now's the time for you to earn your weight and, you know, and, and make this deal happen. But realistically, Matt Mike, realistically, we know they don't have a shot in hell to make this happen. If they did, they would have to trade Melo. And now Melo is saying that the only place he wants to go is the is to the Houston Rockets. Yeah, I mean, at the moment, I don't think Kyrie's going to be a Nick. And I don't think it has anything to do with our front office, Scott Perry in particular, just not getting it done. I have all the faith in the world in him. I think you can't give away multiple first round picks just, you know, to get somebody to take on Melo's contract. You can't trade Frank Nilakina as has been reported because he's part of your young nucleus. And the one thing we do know from Golden State is 
these rookie contracts, they're team friendly and they allow the, you know, they allow the franchise to be flexible. You need those kind of contracts. They can't just give that kid away either. Now, one thing I was, I was thinking of that we spoke about was I just wanted to throw out this trade scenario to the listeners. Now, this is just, this is just, uh, you know, just my thought, just something that I came with. So I was thinking that the Knicks will offer Carmelo Anthony and Lance Thomas and make, you know, I just want to add that financially, as far as cap space goes, this makes sense for both teams as well. So again, Carmelo Anthony, Lance Thomas, and a 2018 first round pick for Kyrie Irving and Iman Shumpert. Oh, yes. I, I really like that deal. The salaries match up. And if you want to take it one step further, the Knicks have just shown uh, in re-signing Tim Hardaway Jr. that they trust their scouts, that whatever they saw in that player uh, coming out of college that, that they thought was going to make him a good pro, they believe in, they still believe in that. And Iman Shumper was one of those first-round picks. So I can see the Knicks doing that. Here's the problem for me. I don't think that Carmelo Anthony is willing to go to Cleveland for two reasons. One, state tax. If he goes to Houston, he gets more of his money, more cash of his money, right? Government takes a lot less in Houston than they do in Cleveland. That's one. Two, if, if you've been paying attention to the New York Knicks, the one thing they've told Carmelo Anthony is we're not going to buy out two years of your contract because year two is a player option. If you don't want to be here, opt out of your deal. So if he gets traded to Cleveland and LeBron James leaves Cleveland, what do you think Carmelo Anthony is going to do then? He's going to be left with a really tough uh, question he has to ask himself. Do I want to opt into this contract and try to force a trade, which means next summer is going to be dealing with the same thing he's dealing with this year so i don't think that he's going to allow any trade to cleveland uh no matter how even or good that trade sounds yeah that that's i mean not only that let's let's throw this tie around that i mean if I, me personally if Kyrie irvin leaves uh cleveland this year whether it's to the knicks or whatever the case may be i don't think that the cleveland cavaliers win an NBA championship without Kyrie Irving. And I know LeBron James is the king, but I don't think they really win it without Kyrie as Kyrie has been an integral part to them winning the NBA Finals championship uh, the year before and them getting to the finals uh, again this year. So we'll see what happens. I got a special guest with me today, guys. My good friend Langston Galloway from the Detroit Pistons is calling in. What's up, Langston? How you feeling, brother? Lord, what's going on, big bro? How's everything, man? I'm hanging in there, man. I really appreciate you calling into the show, uh, taking a, a time away from your busy schedule. Nah, nah, I appreciate you. Uh, you have me on. Have me on. Appreciate it. All right, so I got a couple questions that I want to ask you, brother, uh, that the listeners might be interested in, in, in knowing. So, you know, your path, Langston, to the NBA was a bit different than some players in the league. Could you just explain to the listeners the road you traveled to get to the NBA? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's well versed with, uh, with a lot of different bumps and roll, bumps and bruises down the road. But, uh, I mean, hey, not, not getting drafted and, uh, 16 passing on you. So that's, that's a hurdle you gotta, gotta get over it and, and, uh, get an opportunity to, to go to a summer league team and say, all right, well, let me try to make the most of this opportunity. And uh, going out there, showcasing my skills, and then uh, and when when New York had the opportunity to uh, just let me go out there and do my thing, I did that. And uh, and then when I finally got to the D League after being cut from from training camp, uh, I mean, hey, I literally just just stay consistent and uh, and continue to just 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 continue to get better each and every day. And that's what my mindset was. It didn't matter what circumstances I was going on through the ups and the downs, but. Just being consistent, and, uh, and and hey, when I when I got my opportunity to get my ten day, my first ten day with the Knicks, I went out there and just hey, just went out there, just dove on the floor, whatever I could do to to, to help my chances. That's what that's what I did. All right, now you you went to St. Joseph University in Philly, correct? Yep, yep. Now while you were there, did you guys ever make it to the NCAA tournament? Yeah, yeah, we made it uh, my senior year. Uh, we actually played uh, UConn in, in the second round. And uh, it was crazy that year. We we actually had them on the ropes. We had them beat. Uh, ended up going to overtime and losing in overtime. But uh, they ended up winning the national championship that year. So it was it was a crazy outcome that we played the national champ. So that was crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, it's, it's it it sucks to lose. But I guess that you know the silver lining might be you lost to at least the champions. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that. That we at least take away a small defeat from that. Yeah. So now after your season, after your senior season, you touched on that you didn't get drafted, right? So, yeah. uh, how was the process with getting signed with the New York Knicks? The the process was was real slow. Um, like I said, going from um, playing in the in the summer league, I, I knew I, I wanted to play with some team that that had an opportunity for me to to squeeze in and. And they had a young roster uh, full of guards. So I was like, well, this, this might be a good opportunity for me to try to fit in here. And uh, being a one and a two was was perfect for, for the Knicks because they were, they were just changing up with Phil Jackson, just getting there. And, uh, I mean, hey, I went there. Some of the league played well. Uh, then they, they offered me an uh, invite to training camp uh, up at, uh, at Army. Uh, really showcased myself, but uh, ended up getting cut. So, uh it just it really fueled me to say, hey, I want to accomplish my dreams and make it any way possible. Now, did, did the Knicks get in touch with your agent or did your agent reach out to the Knicks? Uh, when, when the whole process was going down, it really was just a back and forth, really. I mean, uh, when it first uh, got going with trying to get me on a summer league roster, my agent reached out to them seeing uh, if I could get opportunity. And then... Uh, we also had a, had a meeting um, to to go back a little further. We uh, they have a, a camp for seniors called uh, called Portsmouth, and uh, I played well there. And they they had a meeting with me, and we did a whole questionnaire uh, with me, just just them trying to get some knowledge on me and play well, and, and really showcase that, uh, that hey, I, I can I can be be a force to reckon with in this league, and and that's what I've been doing ever since. Doing it ever since. Now I know um, sometimes all you need is an opportunity to get your foot in the door, but how difficult was it going back and forth between the D League, well, it's the G League now, and the NBA? So I know there was a time when you got called up. Did you ever get sent back to the D League? No, no. When I, when I got my opportunity with the D League, my first 10 day, uh played well. And uh, in the second second 10 days, uh, I, I played well again. And uh, they said, hey, we're going to sign you to a two-year deal. And uh, I, was, I was ecstatic. And uh, and I just I really credit the guys around me because they really helped me with saying, all right, this, this is what you need to do to, to try to make it past this point. And, uh, and it, was, it was definitely helpful. Definitely helpful. Well, I definitely enjoyed you when, when you know, during your stay in New York. And, uh, you know, it was a blessing to be able to meet you and get to know you and become friends with you. But how would you describe your tenure with the New York Knicks? Oh, no, I really I really enjoyed my, my time with the Knicks. Uh, I wish. Uh, everything would have would have continued to to progress, but uh, I mean, hey, things things didn't work out. But uh, I, I really enjoyed my time there, and the coaching staff uh, was all phenomenal. And uh, I mean, hey, like I, I built so many relationships in New York. Uh, was has been great. I mean, building a relationship with you as well, Lord, and just so many people that's around the uh, the city of New York is is unbelievable. Something unbelievable. Now, you know, there's this whole thing going on with Carmelo Anthony. Phil Jackson was trying to push him out the door, and he was saying he wanted to stay. And then when the Knicks went back to him and asked him if he wanted to stay, now he's ready to go out the door. And being that you had the opportunity to play with Carmelo Anthony while you were, Nick, I just want to ask you, and I'm sure the listeners want to know, how was he as a teammate? No, actually, as a teammate, he's, he's a great great teammate um he, he always is a guy that you can really learn from and uh i actually have my locker was two two down from him uh during the season and during uh um, when we played at the arena and uh it, it was pretty cool just to learn from him and like uh pick his brain about different things that was going on so uh i, re I really appreciated uh every moment i had to, to learn from him and uh take away a lot a lot of different things in life from him now, I, me personally, I thought you got the short end of the stick with how the Knicks dealt with your contract situation when you were a free agent at season's end. But in the end, it all worked out for you. So did you feel betrayed at all by the Knicks, Langston? No, no, I, I didn't feel betrayed at all. I didn't feel um, that it was uh, it's just, just a, a lack of, I guess you say, communication between us both. And uh, we... we 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 definitely uh, had had a, a good time and a bad time, but we we made the most of it um, being being together for sure. So so you didn't you turn around and you signed a deal with the Pelicans, and you're originally from Louisiana. How yep. did you feel when you signed the contract with the Pelicans to return home to play? Oh, it was exciting. It was really exciting to to go back home and play 
uh, for my family and my friends. And uh, and I had at that point I hadn't been home to play uh, for about six years. So uh, it really was was a, was a cool experience to, to to go back home and play play with them. Now it must have been a great feeling to play in front of your family and friends. Like you said, it was your first time going back home and playing. So I'm pretty sure that had to be a dream come true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, growing up, I mean, at, at that time it was the Hornets, and then uh, and now it's the Pelicans. And I mean, hey, going, I remember going to the game, sitting all the way up in the rafters, just like, man, I hope I can get here one day. And then, hey, it's a dream come true to be on that floor playing in front, front of front of the fans. Now it was bittersweet for me because um, I was upset that you wasn't in New York no more, but I was happy, um, you know, as a friend that you was going home to play. And then during your stay in New Orleans, you ended up getting traded to Sacramento uh, for DeMarcus Cousins. Um, what were your thoughts when you got traded from the New Orleans Pelicans to the Sacramento Kings? Uh, I mean, at the time, uh, I was shocked. Just uh, didn't I really didn't see it coming. I was uh, I just got home from the from the All Star game and and uh, just shocked that it was it was it, it all went down. So then next thing you know. I had to uh, to just say pack up everything that I had and, and move out to Sacramento. But uh, I mean, I knew at the end of the day it's a business move, and uh, I mean, hey, it all worked out uh, in the end because Sacramento gave me opportunity out there to play the position I, I really want to play, which is point guard. Now, the question I want to ask you is: a lot of times, some players pay attention to what's being said in the media and in the papers. And me personally, I heard a few rumblings that your names was in trade talks. Did you know? Uh, did anybody tell you that your name was being tossed around? Did you, you know, did anybody mention it to you at all, or do you just not pay attention to that kind of stuff? No, no, I really don't pay attention to that stuff because I mean that's that's just all he say, he say, she say stuff. So, I mean, all I can do is control what I can control, and uh, that's go out there on that court and uh, just just do what I love and and, and play ball. So uh, everything else is is uh, just uh, it happens for a reason. Now, how was your stay in Sacramento while you was there? It was great. It was, I really enjoyed Sacramento. It's a, a great city for a lot of different people that you that that don't really know uh, that Sacramento is the capital of California. So you you go out there and you think one thing, but uh, I mean the fans out there are great, and I mean the whole community really just just lives up for for Sacramento games. Now, at the end of the season, you chose to opt out of the final year of your contract making you a free agent. Could you just share with the listeners the thought process behind making that type of decision? Yeah, when when, when you make a decision like that, it's, it's, it's definitely difficult because you really have to weigh out all your options. Um, you have to see which teams are really uh, interested in you. And uh, and then you, you don't want to opt out and, and leave uh, the, the opportunity to play and the money on the table as well. So, uh it, it was a blessing that uh, it all worked out for me, and, and um, just just being able to find a team that that really uh, was interested in me, uh, and 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 a coach that was uh, also just just one that's going to push you to the limit, and that's what we were looking for, and, and being able to find that team in Detroit. So, um, what does your off season uh, workout routine consist of? Because I know you know you post videos on Instagram of you working out. So just kind of give the listeners a little rundown of, of what a day in the life of Langston Galloway, uh, you know, how, how does it go for you on a day where you have to work out and prepare yourself? Yeah, normally, um, especially in the summertime, I try to, I, I like to go early. So I like to get in the gym, uh, get basketball in about uh, 7 or 6 o'clock. Or if I, if I feel like getting a lift in before that, I'll probably go lift at about 5 or 6 o'clock and get basketball in right after that. So that way, my morning gets started early, and then uh, once I go from there, I go towards uh, probably another workout right in between there in the afternoon time, right there, get a little food. Uh, so that's, I mean, hey, that's that's five hours right there, and then that nighttime, I normally just get some more work in with working on my handles, working on just a lot of shots, and just uh, just being more consistent. That's all I, I continue to improve on is being more consistent and, and, and working on being a point guard. Yeah, I really don't think people realize what goes into the, you know, the hard work and dedication that you guys put into perfecting your craft. You know, I know you guys put in a lot of hours. And um, but let me congratulate you again on signing a three-year deal with the Detroit Pistons. 
how, how excited are you to embark on your new journey? Bro, I, I, I'm really excited. And uh, I just, I just, I really can't wait. Um, people have been asking me pretty much all summer to say, hey, what, what do you feel about Detroit? How are you guys going to do? I mean, I'm really excited because we have a young core. Uh, we have a great coach and Stan Van Gundy. And then uh, we, we, we got some, some new additions on, this, on the squad with me. So I'm, I'm really excited, and uh, it, sh- it should be a good good experience to be out here in Detroit for the next three years. And uh, it's, it's a blessing to, to have something long-term like that. Now, have you had the chance to sit down and have a, a conversation with your new coach, Stan Van Gundy, to discuss what his plans or what they have, what plans they have for you for this upcoming season? Yeah, yeah, I had a chance to sit down with him and uh, and just just talk basketball. I mean, uh He's he's a coach that's that's pretty straightforward with the uh, the plan of uh, what's going ahead, and uh and he, he really just just wanted to to express to me that hey look we know you you're very versatile and you can you can play one or two but the the biggest thing with him is just the defensive side of it and being able to guard one and the two which is huge uh, it's huge in this league to guard ones and twos because that's 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 what the game goes through nowadays and. Uh, and that's what I, I I literally lay my hat on every night. Is that, hey, I go out there and stop the best player or whoever I have to guard at night and try to stop them. And that's and that's what I'm gonna uh, always uh, be be my label in this league. Now I, I see that you hold uh, free clinics for the youth. How important is it for you to give back to today's youth? It's huge. It's huge. Um, I'm a big big believer in uh and being able to uh get back to the youth and uh and especially back home um i have a, have my, my uh, second annual basketball langston galloway basketball clinic tomorrow actually and uh, I mean, i'm really excited about it and uh i just can't wait to to just meet the kids and uh and just just see uh what, what they can show me i mean uh i know it's, it's a free clinic and you never know what the turnout will be, but just to, just to have the kids out there and have a good good time and see them smile is all, what it's all about. Now, when is when is training camp open up for you guys with the Detroit Pistons? As I'm sure you have to be really excited to get that going. Yeah, we uh, we actually start up uh, uh, probably the first weekend of uh, October is like official training camp. Uh, so that that'll be special because uh, this year. They uh they shortened training camp so that way uh we have shorter uh uh back to backs and throughout the season so it, it should be fun to uh to see how that works out this year especially. Now I've gotten a chance to know you and we've become friends, and I know I know this much that you come from a great family, you have great parents, and um how yeah. how did the whole basketball thing start up with? I mean, was your dad a basketball player? How did that you know how did Langston how did Langston get to starting to play ba- basketball? Uh, I mean, it's it's really uh, just throughout my family. My my dad's a big basketball player, but uh, I mean, throughout my whole family, everybody played basketball, um, and then he also had some football players in there as well. So uh, it was it was a mixture of uh, a little bit of both, and uh, it, it it meant a lot to me because I knew that uh, being able to to play a game I love from I mean, the age of three, being able to pick up a ball and and, and shoot it. Uh, that that was special just to be able to say, hey, I made it going from the little age of three, just picking up a basketball and wanting to see what what this game would do for me. And, I mean, I've been all over the world just to play this this, this, this game I love. So, I mean, it's, it's exciting to, to know that, hey, you, your pops was a, was a basketball player, but to say, hey, when, one day when I have some kids that, hey, your dad was in the NBA and, and was able to, to really hold his own. So that would be cool. That would be special. Now, behind behind every good man, they say there's a great woman. And I've had the opportunity to meet your wife, and she's, you know, she's a special woman. So how does she um, help you out, you know, as far as supporting you and stuff when it comes to all this stuff? She, she, she's a great uh, um, just uh, uh, asset to me. I mean, uh, she, she, she's a better woman than, than I am a man. I mean, she, she's always there for me uh, whenever I need her, and... Uh, and especially like uh, what's going on right now, she she's actually going going back to school to get her MBA at uh, at Tulane, and uh, and I'm I'm like the the the, the house sitter. I'm I'm literally trying to check out the house, make sure everything's good, and she, right. and, she, and, she and she she's running the world. She running she's running the world. So I'm like, look, go ahead, you got it, you got it. So I just try to go out and work out, do my thing, but. I mean, hey, she she's she's trying to conquer the world, and uh, and she she's very special, very special. That's awesome. God bless. But Langston, yeah. I, I I wish you nothing but the best, and you know I call you my little brother, 
You know, yep. you know I'm going to be pulling for you, but I really want to thank you for calling in. And hopefully we can have you come on the show again sometime during the season. But I just want to say God bless you, little bro. And thanks again for spending some time with us on the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike show. Hey, thank, thank you so much for having me on, Lloyd. I appreciate you, big bro, for everything. And uh, hey, God bless and, uh, and take care. All right. All right. We'll talk to you soon. All right. With that being said, we're going to take a quick commercial break and come back with more of the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike show. What's up, everybody? My name is A.O. Aaron Omar Baker from the PodCloud Network. Now, I'm the producer for the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike show, but I just want to remind you to subscribe everywhere. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, SoundCloud. Just do a search, Lloyd A. Thompson. Hit the subscribe button. Make sure you don't miss anything. And if you're on social media, that means Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, everywhere. Just search and follow Lloyd A. Thompson. Brand new episodes drop every single Monday. Make sure you don't miss anything. That's it. Let's get back to the show. Welcome back to the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike show. We're going to move on to some New York baseball right now as the Mets and Yankees were both in action. The Yankees made a big trade over the last week or so and the Mets are actually playing a little bit better baseball. So what do you have to say about the New York Mets at this particular point in time, man, Mike? Man, these Mets, uh, I, I don't know, man. They did it again today. These guys had a chance to finish up the weeks, you know, with five wins. They had the chance to, to, you know, just keep picking up ground, and they did it again. It's like every Sunday, these guys just let you down. They lost another one, uh, lost the, the closeout game to the Oakland A's 3-2. They're now standing, you know, 13 games back of first place. They're now 10 and a half games out of the wild card yet again. And I don't think they can get out of their way, Lloyd. I mean, you just said they had a good week and they still had they, they still ended poorly. I mean, they, they blew the game against Colorado last Sunday allowed Colorado to get a game up on them. They blew two games to, to St. Louis, go on a little four-game win streak, and then give a game away to a last-place team all over again. You tell me. I mean, how does this team catch up? Now, the funny thing about it is I was saying to myself, I was like, I was like, damn, this team won four out of five games. And then, you know, you just hit me upside the head with a big old water balloon and tell me that these guys are still 13 and a half games out of the out of first place and ten and a half games out of the wild card spot, and that was even after these guys winning four out of the last five games. So it's apparent to me right now that you know, even though I'm not the biggest Mets fan, but some a part of me is like, well, maybe these guys could turn it around and get back in the race. I think it it finally might be time for these guys to be sellers and start stockpiling that farm system right about now. Yeah, I mean, it not only. Should they start looking to sell off pieces? They probably should have started selling off pieces weeks ago. Jay Bruce just said the team would be crazy to hold on to him. He's aware that, you know, even if they don't trade him, uh, he's not staying there. If they can offer him arbitration, would he accept $17 million qualifying offer? Uh, there's a chance he might. And if you're the Mets, you did the same thing with Neil Walker last year. He accepts the qualifying offer. You're, you're kind of... Uh, caught by surprise, I guess you could say, and Neil Walker's missed half the year. Uh, so maybe the, the, the Mets don't even offer, you know, make a qualifying offer to him. And if that's the case, then you get absolutely get nothing for him. And they can't afford that. I, I think, I, I don't know how they pull this off. They only have a week to go. You, you have to just get what you can at this point for whoever you can at this point. Well, it's amazing that they win four out of their last five games and this team ends up six and four for the week. Oh, my gosh. That is like, it's just mind-boggling to me right now. They, they got 45 wins and 51 losses. And they, again, one four out of five. And they still finished the week only two games above 500. And that's saying a lot right there, man. It's, it's amazing. And the whole Jay Bruce thing. Maybe that's his way of saying, look, I think I want to play for a contender right now. So I'll grantly, you know, take 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 my talents to a contending team right now. So it's going to be interesting where he might end up because it doesn't necessarily seem if you're looking at the American League teams that anybody is in need of an outfielder. Maybe he might be able to go to one of the National League teams. So it's going to be even 
uh, interesting to see if the Mets could even get anything for him because it doesn't seem like at least any of the teams in the American League need an outfielder, maybe one of the teams in the National League, so it's going to be interesting to see. Well, the, the the catch there is he. if you don't value him as an outfielder in American League, at least you can value him as a DH. The problem there is Jay Bruce last year took a lot of time to adjust to New York. He took a lot of time to adjust to a pennant race, and he took a lot of time to adjust to new pitching. So if you're – this is back to what we were talking about, you know, last week. If you're trading for a guy – uh, you have to trade for a guy that you know can make an instant impact. There's there's a lot, as an American League team, there's a lot of question marks surrounding Jay Bruce. And, and most buyers are contending, right? So now you have so many questions you have to ask yourself. Is this guy going to be able to hit our pitching? Can he deal with the pressure of a pennant race? Can, can he adjust fast enough? Uh, how does he do in a new locker room? I, I don't necessarily know if, if he's the guy you go after, but he is... You know, I don't know if he's at the top of teams list, but he is the guy that you go after on the Mets roster. Addison Reed is another guy, but from all reports, the Mets asked for more for Addison Reed and Lucas Duda than what the White Sox asked for Todd Frazier, David Robertson, and Tommy Canley. So I'm not sure what the Mets think they're getting in a trade, you know, for either one. Well, listen, I mean, the Mets might even end up and screw themselves over and end up with nothing. You know, I can see Sandy Alderson doing that. You know, don't put yourself on a pedestal that you really shouldn't be on right now because, like you said, Jay Bruce, to me, is the only person worth any type of value on that team that I would even think about trading for. But even then, I wouldn't be dumb enough to give up my top prospects for Jay Bruce because, as you said, it took him quite some time to get acclimated to his surroundings and his situation. And, you know, it, it, it took him some time to really get going and, you know, this is the Jay Bruce that I remember seeing when he was with the Cincinnati Reds as he's doing with the New York Mets this year. And let's keep in mind that he went from a National League team to a National League team. And if he goes from a National League team to an American League team, that could be a completely whole new different ball game right there for him. Yeah, that, that's why I'm saying that if I'm an American League team, I, I have a little trepidation trading for him. But... The, the other guy that the Mets can trade that I think that they actually would be, you know, uh, in really strong position to trade is Addison Reed because Addison Reed has proven that he can set up and he's proven that, that he can close. And with teams such as the Red Sox looking for a little bit more bullpen help, uh, Cleveland seems like they're straight with their bullpen. But, you know, there's other teams out there looking for, for bullpen help that were kicking the tires uh, on relievers such, you know, Washington Nationals. Uh, I know that they made the trade with, with with the Oakland A's, but they can still use a few more bullpen arms. So I, I don't know if the Mets would trade in, in division with the Nationals, but, you, you know, the, the, he has value. I, those are the only two guys that I think have value on the Mets team. I think the Lucas Duda ship has sailed. Um, I, I'm not sure who's trading for a a a backup first baseman, you know, rightfully so. I mean, the guy's the, he's a bad defender. He can't throw. So if you're in the American League, you're looking at a backup first baseman, DH type, and those kind of guys don't get top prospects. I mean, if you're going to trade top prospects, you're looking at Justin Bohr, Eric Hosmer, you know, guys of that ilk. Now, let, let me throw this name out there, and this is an interesting name because we just named Reed and, and uh, you know, and Jay Bruce. Uh, what about Matt Harvey? I know Matt Harvey is on the, the DL, and he's coming off the DL real soon. And I don't even know if I'm an executive from another team that I would trade top prospects for Matt Harvey. But I think at some point this marriage is over between Matt Harvey and the New York Mets. And when he becomes a free agent, I can very well see him leaving the team. So why not get something for him while you can at this particular moment? I, I think that at some point the Mets hierarchy will consider getting something for him. The thing is, his value is so low right now. I think that you have to commit yourself to letting Matt Harvey pitch, rebuild his value, and see what you can get. I mean, right now he'd probably get a, a – you'd be lucky to get a Tier 2 prospect for Matt Harvey right now. You're probably more likely to get a Tier 3 prospect. And at that point in time, if you're the Mets, why not just let him pitch? Tier 3 prospects – for the most part, either don't make the majors, have a, a, a uphill battle to make the majors, and and rarely uh, make a significant impact. So if that's the case, you know, take whatever wins you can get from him in the starting rotation, and, and, and you know, offer him a qualifying offer. Once again, 
might he accept it? It's, it's possible. So, uh, you know, but, but that's more what I think, uh, where, where your head is at. I'm just not sure that they can get anything for him this year. Maybe you let him come back, pitch good and, and reassess in the off season. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what Sandy Alderson does, because as we both know, nobody has any type of confidence in this dude at all. This is the Phil Jackson of the, of MLB executives. So let's see, let's see what he does. Let's see how his movements are. And it's going to be interesting to see um, how quickly the Mets become sellers. So let's move on to the crosstown rivals, the New York Yankees, who won the series for the first time in a very long time. And oddly enough, they also pulled off a big trade. And Mad Mike, with as bad as this team has been playing, they are only two and a half games out of first place in the AL East, which is amazing to me. Yeah, if you don't mind, <laughs> first let's let's touch on it on, on on this trade and and why it was important. You know, but I, I mean they're playing bad baseball. They the first series win since June 9th through eleventh, I think, in Baltimore. Right? Am I correct? Yes, that's it, correct. It's, that it's, was the last time they won a series was yeah. against the Baltimore Orioles. We're we're talking about six weeks, man. It's 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 awful. So, uh, to, to touch on the trade for you real quick, you, you know, there's three ways to look at this trade. First, you know, we could start with, you know, the players we gave up, and um, you know, I know people have been really, really, really upset with the fact that the Yankees traded uh, Blake Rutherford, but my feelings are, 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 you know, this was an unbelievable trade for the Yankees. Uh, you know. Depending on, on what publication you read, Ian Clarkin was only ranked a top 19 prospect, uh, and, and he's a lefty, so he's expendable simply because Jordan Montgomery has established himself as a solid big league lefty already. And you have Justice Sheffield coming within a year, you know, the same lefty that you got in, in the Andrew Miller trade last year. So good job by Cashman there. Tito Polo was is a fourth outfielder. Maybe he makes, you know, the majors at some point, but he's rule five eligible. Uh, so he, he doesn't have a spot on this team. And we got him in the Avon Nova dump last year. And while he's, you know, that that's a, a steal, really. It's no different than moving Ben Gamble a year earlier. And we saw Ben Gamble this, you know, this weekend in Seattle. He looks like a real player. But when it comes to this 40-man roster, you know, the Yankees are in a crunch. And, and they have to get, you know, they have to move on from some guys that, that don't fit the long-term plan. So, well, you know. You, this also throwing the fact that uh, Rutherford, you know, he wasn't one of the, I mean, he was one of the top outfield prospects, but you got Clint Frazier, you have Dustin Fowler, you know, so they have some other guys that they actually put ahead of Rutherford, which made him, made him expendable as well. But I also want to throw in, and I'm sorry for cutting you off, Matt Mike, is that they got rid of goddamn Tyler Clippert, which I am so ecstatic about that. I can't even I can't even tell you how happy I am they got rid of Tyler Clippert. So like you said, I have to give kudos to Cashman for pulling this deal off as, to me, he went in like a thief of the night with a mask on his face into Chicago and swipe some great players, although I still do think that the Yankees also can use a starting pitcher, obviously not giving up any of their top prospects, but I think they can use a pitcher to help out because I'm not a big fan of Joe Girardi throwing out these rookies every two or three days out of a five-day uh, homestand, homestand, I'm sorry, out of a five-game set. So that makes me a little bit nervous, Matt, Mike. Yeah, I, I mean, I have a problem with it too. But the, 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 the real problem I have with, with, you know, him throwing out these rookies is there seems to be no rhyme or reason, right? Earlier this week, he, he decides that he's going to call up Caleb Smith and on Monday, which seemed to be the plan, right? He, I'm cool with, They called him up. He's going to be the long man. And Joe Girardi, because he sticks to the plan and he doesn't let, you know, game situations dictate his moves, pitches his kid three innings. This kid ends up in three innings, giving up two runs, and we lose a game on Monday. And then he decides to go with Luis Sessa. I'm not sure what the love affair with Luis Sessa is, but he takes another loss. He only gives us three and two-thirds innings. And then you look at today. I, I mean, you, you, you 
you know, today we're, we're looking at them throwing Caleb Smith on Sunday, right, over Luis Sessa. The reason they gave is Caleb Smith looked better on Monday than Luis Sessa did on, 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 you know, the day after. And Caleb Smith didn't do anything, you know, better than Luis Sessa. Four runs and three and two-thirds innings. I'm not sure what Joe Girardi is saying from, from, from these kids that, that he has decided that, that you know, this one and that one, a, a mishmash of, of, of who's who's and, and, you know, subpar tier two, tier three rookies are, are going to get the job done. I don't understand why this team just doesn't go to Chance Adams. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, that's who I want to see. That's what I want to see come up. Like, quit the BSing, give this kid an opportunity, and let him do his thing because this this circus, this Ringling Brothers and Ballin' B circus that Joe Girardi is doing right now, with the, with these guys that are not that are not delivering, mind you, you know they're not delivering. It's it's about time. Give this kid a shot, man. You're in a you know you're in the midst of a playoff run. You know you're in the middle of win, trying to win a division. You're trying to stay atop the wild card. You know let's not start tinkering and teetering and doing things that you you can you know you can afford to do at the beginning of the season. Or that time has passed, man. Now it's time to buckle up. And, 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 you know, put on your manager panties and do the right thing. Yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, on Monday, he gave a game away. You know, we're a team that, that has basically been playing under 500 for the last six weeks. We're a team that, you know, for a majority of, of Girardi's time here, I don't want to be a hater. But for a, a good portion of the last three or four years, I'll say if you, if you remove some hot streaks this team goes on, we, we constantly play 500, under 500 baseball. And I think it has to do with his moves. I mean... He just does things that make you scratch your head. He's so married to a plan, so married to matchups that he, he, he forgets to go for the wins. And he gave a couple games away. Yesterday, you know, we, we, we were winning the game and he, he just leaves Tanaka in. The, the wheels just completely fall off Tanaka. And, you know, we're, we fall, you know, we fall behind and then. You know, we're, we're chasing our tails and we have to climb back and claw back, you know, claw our way back into games. And then he did the same thing on Sunday with Caleb Smith. And, and the team pulls out the win on Sunday, but the team, you know, gives a game away on Saturday. So when it comes to him, I just feel like we're constantly, constantly, you know, we're on the hamster wheel. I just feel like we're, we're, we're chasing our tail. We're not going anywhere uh, with this guy managing this team. Well, I will say... That if you if you're the manager and he's managed Tanaka for a long enough time for him to realize when a pitcher has it and when a pitcher doesn't, I currently play semi-pro baseball and I catch for the team that I play on, and I can always tell at the beginning of the game from bullpen sessions with my pitches on whether or not they're gonna have a good game or whether or not they're gonna struggle. And as a manager, by now, Joe Girardi should know. When pitchers like Masahiro Tanaka and CC Sabathia are on their A game, or when they're gonna have a tough game and they're struggling, and in the situations where they're struggling, like you said, don't leave them in there. Get, you know what I'm saying? Get them out the game and give yourself a chance to win, and not always rely on your team coming back to win baseball games. You can't do that. Lloyd, I just think that he has a circle of trust, and I think that no matter what his eyes uh, see. I think his heart tells him otherwise. I, I, and if, just to give you, you know, I'll, get, I'll throw some numbers at you, right? D Domingo Herman was called up on July 10th, uh, on June 10th. I, I apologize, right? Uh, the day before the Yankees started this horrendous six-week slide, right? He only threw, in one month, he threw 7.1 innings and 121 pitches in a 31-day span. Only three and a third of those innings and 52 pitches were for the major league team. Think about that. This guy, Caleb Smith, this week, I mean, he was called up last week, right? He was called up on Monday. He has six and two-thirds innings pitched in 121 pitches, six total runs in a week's time. You need to explain to me, or, or Joe Girardi needs to explain to us and the fans what it is that he saw in Caleb Smith that he gave him six innings in a week that he didn't see in Domingo Herman, who only got three innings in a month. Domingo Herman is ranked higher in the Yankees' farm system. He has the more electric stuff. 
Outside of being a righty and, and Caleb Smith being a lefty, I don't understand the reasoning behind this move. And these are just the little things that make you question what it is that Joe Girardi does and you know what he, he is as a manager. That's not managing a, a bullpen at all. Well, I always say the most important key to getting back into things and to pulling ahead is to win series. And this winning three out of four in Seattle was big because the Yankees ended up finishing in a week Six and four in the first place, Boston Red Sox finished the week four and six, and that actually allowed the Yankees to pick up two games on the Red Sox and move into second place. And I also want to add, Matt Mike, that Aaron Judge, it seems like he's coming out of his funk. He hit a god dogged, absolute bomb in Seattle on Saturday night, man. He almost hit the ball out of Safeco Field. Which was abs- it was it was over the last row in Safeco Field and it hit the back wall if a fan wanted to caught the ball, but he almost hit a ball out of the stadium, Mad Mike. Lloyd, let's let's really put this into perspective. This guy hit the ball so hard and so far that he broke Statcast. Statcast couldn't even estimate it to the point. I mean, not even to the point. Like, they couldn't estimate it. They they were on record. He broke StatCast. And the saddest part about this is we know that this is one of the furthest balls we've probably ever seen hit, not just this year, but ever. And the Seattle Mariners, because it's their park, they can't have a visiting player have the furthest home run ever, only estimated at 440 feet. Now, you watched that home run. Everybody in the world watched that home run 75 times. Did that ball only go 440 feet? Yeah, that no might way, have been the no way it did. <laughs> you know, I, I think that was fur, hit further than any ball we saw in a home run derby. Yeah, I mean, here's some bombs in a home run derby too. But that that was that was oh man, talking about you know I've I've watched a lot of baseball and all the years that I've been on this earth, and I I don't think I mean I may have seen one or two players hit a ball just as far if not further, but that is by far one of the top five furthest home runs I've ever seen hit. In my entire life, in my entire life, I mean. Yeah, no, it, it was, it was a joke. What he's doing to baseballs is a joke. It's, it's, it doesn't happen. Now I'm also impressed with with uh, Clint Frazier. I think he's doing really well, and it's gonna suck because when Aaron Hicks comes back off the DL, Joe Girardi is gonna have to make a decision, and I'm pretty sure us knowing Joe Girardi and the way he does things. He's going to send this young man back down, and I think he's played well enough to earn his keep in the major leagues. And if anything, I would turn around and trade Aaron Hicks and try to get a pitcher in return for Aaron Hicks. That would be the right thing to do. Let's see what happens. I mean, Aaron Hicks is not back yet, but let's see what happens. I also like to see them give that that first baseman, the young man they got at first base. I can't think of his name right now. I'm drawing a blank, but I'm sick of seeing Todd Fraser strike out and pop up. And Chase Headley is doing enough to hit the ball at this point in time. Stop putting Tom Frazier in the lineup because he's Tom Frazier and get his young man a chance to hit the ball because he's proven that he can hit major league pitching. You got to stick with him. Don't give up on him so fast. Well, you, you got to understand something. Todd Frazier, there's, there's two sides to every coin, right? Todd Frazier is struggling right now, but it, go look at his numbers. Even as bad as he, he's had a year, he, he produced more from third base offensively than Chase Headley did all year. Now, he's also the better defender, and it's not close. Chase Headley was on, on pace for another 20-error season, uh, which would give him two in the last three. So Todd Frazier is the guy to play there uh, at third base. And as far as Chase Headley goes, Chase Headley... Chase Headley's production is actually better than anything we've gotten from first base. So while both of them seem like they're having down years, Todd Frazier has been the better player, uh, regardless of average. He's been the better player than Chase Headley at third base. And Chase Headley's just just given us more at first base. So as much as it, it, you know bothers you to see the struggles of Todd Frazier this week. It has made the lineup better. It has made the team better uh, from a stats perspective. Uh, the, the one part of the trade that I, I want to remind everybody of, and it's something if you know me, you know that I don't believe in trading for players that the Yankees uh, lost in Rule 5. You, you know, the fact that they, if you look at what the White Sox got this week for Carlos Quintana and for Tommy Canley, you know, these are two guys the Yankees lost in Rule 5 for nothing. And Chicago got 
three top 100 prospects for him. So, you know, I'm glad to see Cashman has straightened up his act. And, and that's why I think somebody like like uh, Clint Frazier is not going back down. I think Clint Frazier has earned his, his spot on this team. The, the fan base will not forgive the Yankees, if they sent them back down, he's a doubles machine. His bat speed is amazing. He hustles. I think this week we, we you know, uh, last week we saw him, uh, what, turn two singles into doubles with just pure hustle. We, we haven't seen that from a Yankee in a long time. So, you know, yeah, Aaron Judge has given us the power, things we haven't seen from that perspective. But from a hustle perspective, I don't think anybody is, has done what Clint Frazier is doing in a very long time. So, you know, maybe they trade Hicks. You know, Girardi has already said that Ellsbury is, is going to the bench, uh, which is a change of philosophy. You know, $24 million pinch runner doesn't seem, you know, like a good way to spend money. But it does tell you that this team is not going to let salary get in the way of production. So, you know, uh, Hicks is a, is, a, is a while away. You know, he's a few weeks away, a couple weeks away. But, you know, I, I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, your guess is as good as mine. I'm just happy to hear you say that you'd stick with Frazier over these guys. So, you know, we're on the same page. Well, hopefully, you know, this this trade rejuvenates this team because right now with those guys they got in the bullpen, you know, um, the Yankees pitchers, all they got to do is go five innings or six innings. And then you turn it over to that fearsome foursome, and you know it's it's going to be it's going to be lights out. The Yankees open up a, a long homestand. Uh, they open up two games against the Cincinnati Reds tomorrow, and then they follow that up with Rays, uh, games against the Tampa Bay Rays and the Detroit Tigers. So we'll see what happens. Um, for you know if they can turn this around, and if that bullpen rejuvenated, that bullpen move or the trade move rejuvenated the Yankees and it gets them going. It seems like it has. Um, because they won three out of four in Seattle. So, again, they they need to start beating the teams that they should beat, and they need to start winning series from teams, from the tough teams um, in, in the American League. And that's the only way they're going to get themselves back into, uh, you know, ahead in a wild card and get them, you know, back in the lead in the AL East. So uh, what I want to say, Matt Mike, for the first time in our show's history, for the first time, Matt Mike, we're going to take some questions from our listeners, our listeners that have sent us questions to Twitter and Instagram. And I'm telling you, listeners, send those questions there so me and Matt Mike can answer them and give you our input on what we feel is the best answer to the question that you have for us. So, Matt Mike, we're going to take a couple of questions. Is that all right with you? Good. First question is from Big Sean from Santa Cruz, California, and he asks us, what are your thoughts on uh, the price being too steep for the Knicks to acquire Kyrie Irving from the Cleveland Cavaliers? And my response to that, real quick, Mad Mike, is that the Knicks don't have what it takes to get Kyrie Irving, so it's not going to happen. Yeah, my response is just Carmelo won't let it happen. He's not going to waive his no trade to go somewhere LeBron is not committed to long term. But it, it's nice that, the, you know, the Knicks are going to make it, you know, hopefully the Knicks make an attempt, but we'll see. All right, we have the next question comes from Ricky from San Francisco, and he wants to ask us, do you think this Swaggy P, a.k.a. Nick, Nick, Nick Johnson? Swaggy P? Yeah, Swaggy P. That was with the Lakers. He wants to know if he, because, you know, he signed with the Golden State Warriors, and he wants to know if that makes the Golden State Warriors a better team. And does he fit in well with the team chemistry? So I'll let you answer that first. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, it's, yeah, it's, I got to see it, man. He, he's, he's another volume guy, man. He guy got to shoot a lot to score a lot. And uh, that bench is, is uh, all about ball movement. That whole team is about ball movement. So let's see how he fits in there. And they play defense. Does he play enough defense to stay on the court? Uh, he's a shooter, though, and they like to shoot it. Now, my response is I think he definitely makes the team better. And we all know he's a little bit of a nut job. But I feel that a lot of times when you have a team with really good chemistry and guys that are on a team that want players to come, and when they come, you know, they expect you to be – they put you in your place. 
and let you know how they do things. I think that those guys, the Kevin Durant's and the Draymond Greens and the Steph Curry's and the Clay Thompson's and the Andre Andre Iguodala's, I think they'll put that guy in line, and you, you know he'll be a better character. At least I think, in my opinion, he'll be a better character individual. But I would definitely say that he definitely makes the Golden State Warriors a better team. So the next question we have is for 4K Mystery, and she asks us. How do you feel about the seven-player trade that the Yankees made recently? Do you think that this will help them regain top spot in the AL East or maintain their top spot in a wild card race? What do you, what's your answer to that, Mad Mike? I think that this will give them the boost that they need to make a run at the division. Uh, this bullpen has been really tired. Tommy Canley and Dave Robertson are five of the top 20, uh, you know, are, are two of the top 25. Uh, relievers in the game right now as far as strikeouts go. Uh, Ty Frazier gives them better offense and defense at third base. And realistically, they only gave up a 19-year-old prospect to get them. And they have plenty of outfield prospects. So this is they, they've got more than enough now to rejuvenate them and push them to the division title. And if not, they can fall back on the wild card. Now, I feel that, you know, during, my, during the previous shows, I always complained about the Yankees' bullpen being putrid and that they needed to make a move, and they did make a move. So right now, again, as I stated previously, that the pitchers could go five and six innings and the Yankees can hand the ball over. But like you said, you don't want to burn those guys out. But I thought this was a great move for the Yankees. I think it helps them out. And I think they should – I don't know about the division, but I think that they should earn a wild card spot. But also I think for them to go far in the playoffs that they really need to add another arm to that starting rotation. Thanks for the question, 4K Mystery. And the last question we have is from our cousin Trey Thompson, and he's located in Los Angeles, California, and he wants to ask us, do you think LeBron should go to the L.A. Lakers, or where do you think Kyrie is going to end up? I'll start that off. I know for a fact that I don't think LeBron is going to end. He's not going to finish his career off in Cleveland, Definitely without Kyrie Irving, my gut feeling is that he's going to go back to Miami and not to L.A., but again, it all depends on if he wants to play with D. Wade and Carmelo Anthony and Chris Paul, but I think he's going to end up back in, in Miami, and as far as Kyrie goes, I have a feeling Kyrie is going to end up with the San Antonio Spurs. I just think that out of the four teams that he uh, had listed as preferred destination, um, San Antonio has the best chance of winning, and they do have quite a bit to offer. As you know, LaMarcus Aldridge wanted out of there, so maybe they can start a deal with LaMarcus Aldridge or Minnesota, who has a lot of young talent that they could offer, uh, you know, Cleveland as well. But I don't think no chance in hell with Miami and, um, and the New York Knicks. What about you? As Kyrie goes, I think Kyrie goes to the Spurs. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge wants out. He's not happy. Um, and they have uh, that kid Murray. They got the point guard Murray, right? Uh, they can throw him into a deal with LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, the question there is really, what is Cleveland looking for? We all know that LaMarcus Aldridge has the opt-out. So is, is he going to stay in Cleveland with no LeBron James? Probably not. He's going to opt out. And Cleveland is very uh, worried about getting players back in this Kyrie deal that are not going to stay for the long term. It's one of the reasons why they didn't pull the trigger on the Kyrie for Paul George trade, because Paul George wouldn't commit long term. Now, as far as where LeBron goes, I don't think LeBron finishes in Cleveland after this year. Him and Dan Gilbert don't seem to have a good relationship. Uh, they don't see eye to eye. And I think the David Griffin move proved that. Now, I don't know where LeBron is going. I, I want to tell you the Lakers, but with the Lakers chasing Russell Westbrook, with them chasing Paul George, I, I don't know what the NBA salary cap looks like next year, but I, it seems like that's way too many guys, right? You're, you're going to go, you have Lonzo Ball, you have money locked up and some other guys, and you're going to somehow get Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and LeBron James in the same offseason. Seems kind of far-fetched. It just seems like, you know, Magic Johnson, the Lakers, LeBron James, just the biggest names of, of the sport all getting together. Uh, sounds good, but but I doubt it. Uh, from From yeah, I don't know where he's going. I mean, we got to see where the teams all line up. You know, if and this is all hypothetical, but what if the the Golden State Warriors call up Cleveland and say, "Hey, I'll give you Clay Thompson for LeBron James." 
is LeBron James going to leave Golden State if, if he got traded there? Probably not. So, I mean, we really don't know who's doing what at the moment. So I would I would uh, I want to thank our listeners for, you know, sending them those questions. And please, guys, continue to send in the questions. And moving forward, we're going to air your questions and answer your questions over the air. So I really thank you guys for doing that. But I just want to give everybody a brief recap uh, of the of the weekend uh, in New York sports. So the Yankees uh, won three out of four games, and they beat uh, the Seattle Mariners 6-4 to four in yesterday's contest. And... The other team in New York, the New York Mets, fell short against the Oakland Athletics 3-2 in the final game of their set. NYC FC beat the Chicago Fire two games to one as Davi Villa had a goal. The Red Bulls defeated the Minnesota United 3-0 as Wright Phillips scored the goal. The Verizon WNBA All-Star game was played over the weekend with the West beating the East 132 to 121, and Maya Moore from the Minnesota Lynx took home the MVP honor, scoring 23 points as she joined Lisa Leslie and Swim Cash as the only players to be named MVP in back-to-back All-Star games. The USA soccer team defended Costa Rica 2-0 to win its record 10th Gold Cup final. Clint, Clint Dempsey scored his 57th goal at the 82nd minute of the game, tying Landon Donovan for the most goals scored all time by an American in world play competition. And that brings us to a close of this show. I want to thank you guys. Me and the Mad Mike want to thank you guys for taking time out to listen to us. We really appreciate it. We'll see you guys in another week. Until then, guys, be safe. God bless. And enjoy your week. And catch up on power. Hey, yo, let's get up out of here, baby. Absolutely, my brother. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for checking out the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike Show every Monday, 1 p.m. Eastern at LloydAThompson.com and PMFRadio.com. Peace.